Okay, so we are going to continue on with our sermon series called All In. Uh, we're exploring what it means to go all in with Jesus. Um, and by this, I mean, when we read the Bible, we see that uh, after the resurrection, his followers go all in with Jesus, that they go around the world, they plant churches, they write the New Testament, and now Christianity is the largest faith in, in all of the world. So they go all in, and it changes human history. And so what practices can we participate in to go all in? And so I'm just going to recap what it is that we've gone through up to this point. The first part of going all in is, is being together, that we do this with one another. We're not meant to do it alone. Going all in, although it's an individual choice, going all in is something that we do as a community. We journey together with one another. And that we talked about practicing, and I had a cute slide of a little guy surfing on a small wave, that there are practices that we do that help us to go all in, that we pray, we have community, uh, we're generous, uh, we share the gospel with other people. And then we, we talked about having perseverance and that we need to persevere as we go all in and believing and obeying. Last week I talked about generosity. And then today uh, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit because today is Pentecost Sunday. And so we certainly need the Holy Spirit to go all in with Jesus. So I'm going to kind of recap it's this whole idea of Passover uh, and then um, Pentecost. And so when we see or look back on the crucifixion of Jesus, he was actually crucified on Passover. And Passover uh, celebrates Israel being freed from slavery from Egypt and that God kept telling Pharaoh, let my people go, and he said no. And then ultimately God sent plagues down into Egypt, and the last plague that happened was that death would go through all of Egypt and would kill the firstborn of the Egyptians unless you had the blood of the lamb upon your doorpost. So if you put the blood of a lamb on the doorpost, then death would pass over your house and your firstborn would live. And so, um, so this idea that Israel was a slave to Egypt, then when we go into the time of Jesus, mankind is a slave to sin and death. And if you have the blood of Jesus upon you, the death will ultimately pass over you as well, and you will never die. So this idea that Jesus is crucified on Passover is not just this symbolic thing that is kind of this like you know cool coincidence, but it's something that God is doing. He's orchestrating in that the blood of the Lamb uh, will pass over the house, and that of the Lamb upon you, meaning Christ, that death will pass over you and you will live forever and you will be a part of the resurrection of the dead. Um, so Passover is a pilgrim festival within Judaism. Big deal within Judaism. And you have to remember that uh, everyone minus the Dr. Luke was a Jew who wrote the New Testament and that Jesus was and still is Jewish. And so this idea that it's called um, a pilgrimage festival, that in Jesus' time and even to this day, all males who could make it to Jerusalem were required to go to Jerusalem during these festivals. And so Passover would have been one of those festivals. Um, and so 50 days after Passover is this another pilgrimage festival called Shavuot. 
And Shavuot is a holiday that commemorates the giving of the Torah or the first five books in the Hebrew Bible to Moses at Mount Sinai, which is a big deal. So when we think about like some of our most important people in the Bible, certainly Moses is one of those to us, Jesus being the most important, but to the Jewish people, Moses and the giving of the Torah is a huge deal. It's a really big deal. So 50 days after Passover, you have Shavuot again, and so all of the males, Jewish males and their families are in Jerusalem, and they're celebrating the giving of the Torah to Moses. And so God, after, after Jesus is from the the Passover where Jesus is crucified, God does something meaningful again with this other pilgrimage festival in that he transforms it and it becomes something different. So as God visited Moses on Mount Sinai, God is about to visit his people again in a very powerful way. And so then we have what is known as Pentecost. And so we're going to read Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is Pentecost. So so again, God frees Egypt from or frees Israel from slavery, and that's Passover. God frees mankind from the slavery of sin and death, that's Jesus. God gives the Torah to Moses, uh, that is Shavuot, and God gives the Holy Spirit to his new people, the church on Pentecost. So God provides freedom for a new life, and then God provides the power to live this new life, God within us, the Holy Spirit. And so ultimately what we see is God pretty much does all of the heavy lifting in our relationship, uh, which is actually really good news.
We appreciate that. So we're going to be looking at today, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do for us? And how can I grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit? So first off, who is the Holy Spirit? And so the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinitarian Godhead. So that is who he is. And so you see pictures of this all throughout history as people trying to explain this. So you see the father who is an old white-haired man. You see Jesus. And then you see the dove, which is right to the right-hand side. Um, so I, re- I, I appreciate this. I really appreciate this artwork, which is a Native American edition of the Trinity. And you see the Holy Spirit is rendered as a uh, ball. And then Jesus. And so as people, different cultures have tried to figure out, like, who is the Trinity? Because it is, I mean, to be honest, it is kind of a little bit different. And you have to explain it. Um, but it's still beautiful. Um, so three in one, that, that God is not three gods, but he's three distinct different persons. And so we see it, again, in different cultures as they've tried to, like, artwork to, to demonstrate what it means to be three distinct things, but actually one thing at the time. And so this is the Trinity. And so the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. And so what we see is that one God, three persons, um, and so it breaks it down that God is and what God is not, that he's not three gods, that he's all three of these things. And so that ultimately is the Trinity. So God is the Father, that Jesus is God in the flesh, and that the Holy Spirit is God as spirit, or the way that I like to communicate or say what the Holy Spirit is or who he is, that he's God active among us, that the Holy Spirit is the one who is here right now. He's the one that is inside of us. He's the one that acts within us and around us and speaks to us and all of these things. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is all throughout the biblical story and that even at the beginning of creation that the Holy Spirit was the one that was there and doing Genesis 1, uh, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So the Holy Spirit, God being active, um, it's the part of God that is active within the world. And so what we also see, and I, can, I mean, there's so much stuff within the Bible talking about the Holy Spirit. And for me to try and like summarize it is, um, I'm doing, I'll do my best, but it's just so short. Um, we also see that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit gave believers special powers. Um, so the book of Judges, that Samson is given this incredible strength. And it was from his hair, right? He wasn't supposed to cut his hair. And as long as he had long hair, then he had all of this special. But that spirit didn't come from his hair. It came from the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was inside of him. And he could like, you know, just rip off the jaws of a lion and all of these things. And it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this in all sorts of different characters or people within the Old Testament. So Gideon or Samuel, David, who fights Goliath, Elijah, all of these, all of these people in the Old Testament, what we see is <clears throat> God would indwell certain people and endow them with spiritual gifts or powers, and that then they would demonstrate uh, God's will, or he would, they would demonstrate some attribute of God among people. And so that's how we see, in many ways, the Holy Spirit working within the Old Testament. And so it all sounds like a really good, like a good 
right? So certain people have special powers, right? They're cool. Certain people, but not everybody. Just certain people have these powers, while the rest of us are just kind of forced to go around with plastic swords and pretend, okay? <laughs> so we're not actually that cool. We're just like, all right, we're just kind of like posers, and we have plastic swords. We really don't have the force because that's just reserved for the special people. And so as we look in the Old Testament, again, God would show up with just certain people, but not with everyone. And so what happens on this Shavuot, or, or, or when God shows up again on Pentecost, is that this all changes. And now that the Holy Spirit is no longer just that rests or is just for certain people, but that the Holy Spirit gets poured out onto the believers in Christ, so a much larger group of people. And so it's not just for the Jedis, it's now for everyone who believes in Christ. And so this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. And so when we look at this, so this idea of Pentecost, that, that the Holy Spirit is poured out onto all people, um, on all believers, the New Testament assumes certain things about you. If you follow Jesus, it assumes certain things about you. First is, number one, is that every believer has, should get, or will get. Again, I'm trying to summarize a large swath of like theology here. That every believer has, should get, or will get the Holy Spirit. So when you believe in Christ... Part of the package of believing in Christ is that either you have it, you should get it, or you have the Holy Spirit, okay? It's a part of that package. And that number two, that every believer has some degree of benefit or power from the Holy Spirit. That it's, the Holy Spirit is not just residing in you, but it's God active within, within you to do certain things, Okay, so that you get some degree of benefit, you get some degree of power or gifts or whatever. And so some church groups do not believe that the Holy Spirit power is for today. And so their argument generally, if I could summarize, is that once the Testament was written, we no longer need the Holy Spirit's power anymore. And so um, it's really not the best argument, but it's the argument that they use. And that some people believe that the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit is more hocus-pocus than real. So we do have these different groups. Some people are like, no, the Holy Spirit that no longer exists because the New Testament was written. And so somehow that means we don't need the Holy Spirit. And some people are like, eh, whatever. It all just seems like group psychology where people just feel things because they want to feel it. Um, the Vineyard believes that the power of the Holy Spirit is real and is for today. In that just because we have the New Testament, we still need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us out. There are still uh, demon, demonic forces. There are still things that we wrestle against. Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. All of these things. We still need the Holy Spirit as much as we've ever needed him. So the Holy Spirit is the Trinity, the third part of the Trinity, God active among us. That's who he is. So what does he do for us? And again, this is not necessarily a full list. The first off, what I would say is that he opens our eyes to the word of God. So this is a very interesting question that when you go to seminary, uh, will probably would come as you're in there when they ask, what is the word of God? 
And so the answer that most people would give is like, well, the word of God is the Bible. Um, but some people would say that's not the word of God. When does the Bible become the word of God? And the answer is uh, generally when the Holy Spirit reveals that as being the word of God to you. Because you can read the Bible and just read it and say like, well, none of this really matters to me. I don't really care. But more often than not, it becomes the word of God when God breathes into that and speaks to you through that. It becomes the word of God. And so I remember when I, I mean, I did not grow up in a believing. Um, is, well, she had issues with the Catholic Church and then my dad. I'm not really sure what he was, uh, but he was not a believer in Christ. So I didn't grow up in a Christian household. And when I graduated high school, uh, my entire goal for the summertime was to get drunk every day and to go to Whiskey Town Lake. That was my goal. Laugh all you want, but that was my goal. Um, and so somehow in the midst of that, I got this, this Bible, and it was my great, great aunt on my dad's side. And so, I mean, I'd read through the Bible before. I thought it was nonsense. I'm like, eh, whatever, this is lame. It's a crutch. These people are weak. Um, and so I was reading through the Beatitudes where, you know, Jesus is sharing his sermon, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And I still remember to this day, this is 25 years ago, I read those words, and I had, I mean, I still love reading, and I loved reading then. Those words felt different to me than any words I had ever read in my entire life. It felt like concrete. It was so substantial. There was something in it that was so powerful in that morning, like moment, like the, the words just leapt off of the page. I mean, it was even a King James. I mean, it's, you want to talk about the Holy Spirit doing something, like helping the King James speak to you. Um, and so I was like, man, and I took it seriously. And then I read John 3.16, and it said you had to be born. I said, Jesus, I want to be born again. I mean, the Holy Spirit inspired that moment, and, and the Bible came alive, and it was the word of God to in that moment, I mean, that's 25 years ago. And so he opens our eyes to the word of God. Next, that the Holy Spirit guides us towards holiness. Um, I mean, one of the things that he does for us is that first off, we, we all sin, right? We're saints. We're born again. If you follow Christ, then you're born again, then you are a saint, but you still sin, I don't know, this is not news to anyone in the room, I don't think, but we all still wrestle with certain sins. And so when we think about when we're, um, like, uh, in our Bible study, we talk about how we act in the car. If we want to talk about sin, right? How do we act in the car? And so I was very convicted um, that I should no longer use any type of pirate talk in the car. And so I, this is... Was that the Holy Spirit? Was it my conscience? What, you know, what was it? I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. That you know, he's wanting to refine us and, and help us to walk towards holiness. And that when you feel something in your conscience, you're like, oh man, I don't know if I should go there. I don't know if I should participate in that. Oh, I can't believe I just said that to that person. Um, I, I would have done that so differently. You know, your conscience, your, the Holy Spirit speaking to you in that moment that he guides us uh, towards 
holiness. Um, what else is the holy? So one, he opens our eyes to the word of God. Next, he guides us towards holiness. The next, he, he arranges divine appointments and circumstances for us. I think that everyone gets coincidences in their life. We can talk to someone who's not a believer and they would say, yes, I, I have coincidences in my life. But I really believe that the Holy Spirit creates what I would call divine appointments to where we run into people and, and circumstances happen that are just so weird and happen so often, and I'm not talking like every day, but on a regular basis, um, that, that we just see God orchestrating these things. Rick Warren, who leads Saddleback Church, he had said one time, he said, the big, one of the biggest ways I see God's working in my life is these coincidences that end up happening to me on such a regular basis that I cannot explain them in any other way then someone somewhere is orchestrating all of these things for my benefit. They're not just at random, but they're literally for my benefit, as if he knows me, and he knows what I want, and he knows what I need. These things happen, okay? So this idea of these, these divine appointments, when I was leading, I mean, I've been a part, I got saved in, so this is, again, like, we'll say 23, three years ago, I was leading worship at this church, and I had long hair, and I was in tie-dye, and I had flip-flops on like I still have on hopefully every day, and um, in walks this beautiful, blonde-haired Simpson freshman, and she has a, a blue dress on, this like this funky, my, if, you didn't, if you knew my wife when she was younger, she had a very unique uh, fashion sense, and so she walked in, <laughs> no, sorry, um, she had very, yeah, her dress was a blue dress, and she walked in, and instantly, the Lord told me, the Holy Spirit told me, you're going to marry that girl, like right there, right at that moment, I, and I had not experienced any type of like real love relationships up to that point all of it had just been like drunk uh lustful sexual encounters right i and i experienced but i had never experienced anything like that and so he told me that and i was like whoa and i didn't say anything i didn't say anything to her um but we've been married almost 23 years now and I mean, and we didn't like get into a relationship right away, but it's just one of those things that here I was leading worship and God brought my wife to me and um, brought her husband to her and that these coincidences are just so wild. I mean, I have so many different stories about how God has shown up in just these coincidental ways that really just can't be explained outside of God knew and knows me and knows you to such a degree that he's able to orchestrate these things in meaningful ways. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit acting and moving amongst us, hooking us up with different people, bringing us into situations that just work for us as if he knew us and knows us and, and wants what is ultimately best for us. Again, speaking to us, I mean, when I look at my life, uh, Linda being, you know, obviously one of the biggest ones, going to Cal Poly down in San Luis Obispo. I mean, I was in Thailand on a missions trip in, on a tiki hut in the middle of nowhere teaching a class I shouldn't have been teaching because I was just kind of fresh following Christ. And God told me, like, you're going to go to Cal Poly. What? I graduated high school with a 1.8. 
And Cal Poly is not easy to get into. And I went to Cal Poly. I went and studied music at Shasta College for two years and ended up going there, having studied music for two years, to go to Cal Poly and being in you know, the choir and being a music major. It wild. I can't even believe, like, that is, if you know anything about music, I wasn't reading music beforehand. I was singing simple worship songs. This whole idea of us going down to plant a church stand in Santa Cruz, California. God told me I got off a bus one time going to this church conference, and God said, you're going to Santa Cruz, and it'll be sooner than you think. Those are the only two words I got. And we ended up packing up our family. Eight different people went down there with us. We ended up seeing, I think, like 25, 30 people come to Christ. Um, I never understood what it meant by this whole idea of, but it would be sooner than you think. But, you know, I kept thinking he was going to get us there sooner. But in the end, what that ultimately meant, that the church plant ended up failing. It didn't work out um, in that the church plant ended sooner than it would. I got two words. You're going to Santa Cruz, and it'll be sooner than you think. And as I look back, man, yeah, that is really crystal clear. Ch- taking over this church. Again, this whole idea of how it is that God speaks to us, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He's God active among us, speaking to us, guiding us into these places. This idea that the Holy Spirit, he gives us the, oh, sorry, these are all, I had this on there. Opens our eyes to the word of God, guides us towards holiness, arranges divine appointments, coincidence, speaks to us, guides our lives, and the fruits of the Spirit. So these are all the things that the Holy Spirit gives us. These are the the fruits of the Holy Spirit. These are not, again, these are not things that you produce. These are things that God produces in you as the Holy Spirit grows in you, that you will grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things or benefits that you get from having the Holy Spirit inside of you. Again, these are not things, everyone in the room, I assume, unless you're just a funny person, you're here, we would want more of these. Oh man, I'd love to have more patience. I would love to have more faithfulness, self-control, love. And we can grow towards these things, but these are the things that the Holy Spirit does inside of us, is growing inside of us. That's his job to do that. And then last is this idea that he gives us gifts for ministry or ministry gifts. Uh, First is speaking in different languages or what we would call praying in tongues. Uh, This idea that we pray in a language that is not necessarily our native language, but it's like a a fast track of prayer towards God. We have prophecy. This idea that or this what happens is, is that you praying for someone and God gives you a word, a picture or something just shows up in your, your soul or your mind and you share it with someone and, and that thing, it comes true. Healing, that we pray for emotional healing, for physical healing, a gift of administration, a gift of leadership, a gift of hospitality. So all of these things are ministry gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. So in terms of the, the uh, uh, sign gifts or the gifts of ministry, here's a fantastic story, uh, true life. Um, something that really happened, people I know, um, because uh, it's always good to have an example of something that happened. So this guy over here on your right on the screen, that's Jack Munns. He's one of your city council members. I don't know if you voted for him or not, uh, but he is on the city council at this point in time. So Jack Munns and I, we actually, he 
graduated from Shasta College, I went to a vineyard church in Reno, Nevada. And Jack Munns was a part of the vineyard church that was in Reno, Nevada. And so Jack Munns and I hung out. We actually traveled to Namibia in the continent of Africa, and we spent some time together. Uh, he ended up marrying someone, a gal who was from this church, and so uh, then ended up moving here for Bethel and, and now is on the, the city council. So the guy there who's kind of doing that lame smile because he's trying to be funny, uh, that's, my, that's my friend Laban. And Laban started coming to this church. His parents were both believers, and they came to this church. And so Laban, to say that Laban had strayed, strayed from the ways of Christ would be an understatement. So Laban was fighting fire with the Forest Service, and he was everything that a guy on a hotshot Forest Service crew would do. He was just absolutely out of control. So Jack Munns uh, was speaking at this church and somehow Laban's parents convinced him to come to the church that day. And so Jack Munns was there, and while Laban was there, he, uh, maybe after service, I don't know, he comes up to Laban and he says, hey, I have a word for you. God told me that you're running from him and you need to stop. Now, so when it's a real prophetic word, because we could go out on the streets today and we could say that to all people. We could. It could just be kind of a generic word, okay? I um, would say like, yeah, maybe I don't know, you're lame, why are you talking to me, whatever. Because Jack and Laban did not know each other. But the Holy Spirit was doing something so powerful in Laban's life and that, that word really just hit home. And Laban broke down in tears. And Laban gave his life back to Christ. So, went with me. I'm in the white hat there. We're, we're in Buffalo, New York right here. We're doing like an outreach. And so, Laban went with me to Santa Cruz. And that guy to his left, that's his cousin. And his cousin wasn't following Christ. But because Laban gave his life to Christ, then he started sharing Christ with all of his relatives, and that Daniel, he then came to Christ. And then Daniel joined us down in Santa Cruz, California. Laban, unfortunately, got stomach cancer and passed away here recently, so he's no longer with us. But this is the power of a prophetic word. And it changed his life. It changed Daniel's life. Daniel's still down in Santa Cruz, married to a gal he met at our church. So, who is the Holy Spirit? He's the third part of the Trinity, God active among us. What does he do, do for us? All sorts of stuff. <laughs> I'll just summarize it like that. Um, how can I grow with my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, I would say that a couple of different things, as we're kind of wrapping up, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the, of the Trinitarian Godhead. He is a person. He's not a thing. Um, he's not just this weird, out there uh, idea. But he is a person. He is, a, he is God. He is God in spirit. He is God among us. And so just this easy idea, how do you grow in a relationship with a person? I mean, I'm a real practical person. How do you grow in a relationship with the person? Well, you spend time with them and you speak with them. How 
speak to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you doing in my life today? Holy Spirit, what's up? Good morning, Holy Spirit. We speak with them. Holy Spirit, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? And then at the same time, we act in faith that the Holy Spirit is speaking with you. John Wimber, the person who started the Vineyard Movement, he had this funny saying, and he said, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. That Jack had to have some degree of faith and risk, because he's about to tell this stranger that you're running from God. That has some degree of risk to it. We have to act in faith that God, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And I think one of the, the, the simplest exercises for any of us is, is, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? Like, what are you saying to me right now? And just ask him. And more often than not, the way that the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he might speak to you differently, is I generally find myself saying, I feel like he's saying. I don't necessarily hear an audible voice, but I feel this feeling like he's saying something, and sometimes I'll get pictures in my mind, and I'll share that with someone. I feel like he's saying. And So how do we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, when he's a person, then we just speak to him. We ask him, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're doing? And then we can or cannot act on what it is that he is calling us to do. Um... So I think what we're going to do, just real quick, we're just going to do a real quick exercise. Nothing crazy. I'm not going to have you like jump around and start praying for people or anything like that. But just this idea, I'm just going to have us shut our eyes for a little bit. If you want to. If you don't want to, you don't have to participate in any of this. Shutting your eyes. Spirit's here right now. And we're just going to take all the noises in to... Right? The little baby is beautiful. Love it. And I just want you to picture where you saw the Holy Spirit act in your life this last week. We're just going to sit in silence for a little bit. Where did you see him move in your life? All right, and then we're going to do the same thing, have our eyes shut. Picture where you would like to see the Holy Spirit move in your life this week. Where would you like to see him show up, do something? Uh, how would he demonstrate his love to you this week? What would you like to see him do? Just picture that in your mind's eye.
All right. Very simple exercise. The Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence. Know that you're with us. We thank you for your goodness and your presence with us. We thank you for what it is that you've done in our past. And we thank you for letting us recognize in this last week how you have moved in our lives. Holy Spirit, for those things that we need your help in or we would like to see you move in, God, we ask that you would do that for us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move. Show up for us as you always do. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, we're going to have communion. We do Sunday. The communion table is... Sorry, I don't know what's up with the mic. The communion table is open anyone who is a follower of Christ or would like to start following Jesus today. The cracker represents Jesus' body that was broken for us and that he came down with a whole body and allowed his body to be broken so that we could join him in the resurrection of the dead and that he has a whole body now and that we can join him. The wine represents his blood that was poured out for our sins, for our past, our present, and our future sins. And that the way that we do it here is we come down the aisle, a piece of the cracker, you dip it into the wine, and then you go around like this so that we have the flow of the people coming down to get communion. So again, if you are a follower of Christ or if you would like to start following Christ today, communion is open to you. So.
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to speak to us. And we thank you for who you are and all that you've done. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us, that you died for us, that you came for us, that you were resurrected for us, and that you are inside of us and we are inside of you. Let's partake. That's a lot of bikes, man. Like, whoa. Yeah, there you go. The, the, the Holy Spirit told Adam to buy a motorcycle. Okay, that's good. Good practice, Adam. Keep practicing, man. Keep practicing. All right, let's stand up. Um, if you did want prayer for anything after the service, there'll be some folks down here that would love to lay hands on you and pray for you. Um, that we do believe that when we pray for one another and lay hands on them, that this, the Holy Spirit moves in, in powerful ways. So if you need a prayer for anything, um, after service, you come to the front. Um, we are having our potluck downstairs, but if you're not going to join us, that's fine. I'm just going to bless us. Lord, we thank you for the gift of church, the gift of each other, um, that you are with us and that you love us and that Pentecost happened uh, 2,000 years ago and that you did that. You poured out your spirit upon us to empower us and to demonstrate your love for us and to help us and empower us to, to demonstrate your kingdom. And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue to fill us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to the things that you have for us and that you would help us to be loved and to love others. In Jesus' name, amen.